Dear Lord, make each one of us a nail, a humble nail on the wall, fastened securely in our place. Then from these things so common and so small hang bright pictures of thy face. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we have a couple of our young people read some of the questions that have come in, in fact, they're going to read a lot of them. Uh, one of the students came to me this morning and said he wasn't able to be here yesterday. He had some problems with, uh, with studies. So I thought maybe I'd just share one experience of my own regarding studies and how God answers prayer. I was 16 years of age and I was taking algebra. Anybody ever take algebra? <laughs> uh, I hated algebra. My teacher was taking Algebra 2 and teaching Algebra 1, but he didn't know Algebra 1. At the end of the six weeks, we had an exam. Two of my brothers were taking the same Algebra that I was taking. And when our six weeks exam papers came back with a grade, one of my brothers had the grade of zero. That's rather cool. The other had 16 and I had 16. Between the three of us, we had 32%. Both of my brothers dropped algebra. <laughs> I invited the teacher to come up to my dormitory room and help me with algebra. He worked the two hours on one problem and didn't solve it. <laughs> As he left, I fell on my knees. I'm telling you the truth. I fell on my knees, and I used the principle of the A of prayer. I told the Lord that there was no hope. If the teacher didn't even know the solution, how in the world could I? If the teacher couldn't get the answer, how could I? And then I think in the background was this promise, ask, it shall be given you. And I rose from my knees believing, <laughs> though I was trembling, Believing that the Lord was somehow going to give me an answer. And claiming it in my heart, I climbed into bed and began to sleep. Now, I have thousands of dreams. <laughs> I've remembered about five of all of them. <laughs> but immediately I began to dream. I dreamed that I was working on that problem. <laughs> and of all things, I dreamed that I found where the teacher missed the mark. And in my dream, I corrected it. And immediately, the Lord awakened me. I seized my pencil and paper. <laughs> and I did the correction, and it was perfect. And I took it to the teacher the next morning. I wish I could remember how he looked. <laughs> I know how I was looking. <laughs> the Lord had come to my rescue. I decided to stick by algebra. <laughs> and I came off with a C. <clears throat> I see that's not too bad. What do you see? And I've thanked the Lord ever since that when you have a problem <clears throat> in school that you can't solve, God has the solution. That wasn't the end of my school problems. Later, I was studying French under a teacher from New England. And in New England, you know, where we say Isaiah, they say Isaiah. 
And where we say remember, they say remember. <laughs> and in French, I didn't know whether there's ah or whether there's are. Whether there's remember or whether remember. And I got so confused with that French. And again, I fell on my knees. I said, Lord, <laughs> this French is all Greek to me. <laughs> Please come to my rescue. And you know, the Lord helped me through. That wasn't the worst. Then I came to general history. I've never contacted a general that I hated like general history. <laughs> I couldn't see any sense to it. You must remember that one army came up, came up on the right side of the mountain. The other came up on the left side. I didn't care whether they came up on any side of the mountain. <laughs> and what they did, <laughs> I said, horrors. I don't care whether there was even an army. And now you're supposed to know. 606 is when it happened. That made me sick. Lord, help me. I would study two hours for that history class and come down with a big fat D. Finally, I fell on my knees. Dear God, I'm helpless. This thing is hopeless. And that wasn't the worst part of it. The teacher was a great, long, lanky fellow. He had a neck. <laughs> and he had ears. <laughs> and he had eyes that pierced my soul. And when I saw him, I forgot all that I did know. <laughs> I want to tell you, it was a horrible experience. I fell on my knees and I said, Lord, there's nothing beautiful about this. It is all terrible. Please help me. And while I was on my knees, and you'll want this, you'll like it. The Lord's thought voice said to me, you can get a better grade with less study, but concentrate. Don't let your mind wander <laughs> on the girls. <laughs> I had a roommate that would have one eye on the book and the other on the street. Well, you'd see the girls come along. Put your mind on this, this one thing you do, and you can get good grades with 40 minutes instead of two hours. And you know I did it, and God saw me through. That wasn't the end. When I was in college, I was introduced to Greek. And that was Greek. And I wasn't doing well. I fell on my knees again. I said, Lord, you helped me in algebra. <laughs> you helped me to get X, that horrible X. You helped me in French. You helped me in general history of all things. You will help me in Greek. And God taught me how to come down with A's in Greek. And one of the big things was to concentrate this one thing I do. All right, God hears and answers prayer. And whoever that young man was that said he'd like some help with studies, you don't hesitate to fall on your knees. Tell God you're helpless. That's the A of prayer. Tell God that you believe his promise that says you can do all things through me. Philippians 4.13. And then thank you, Lord, you're doing it as I concentrate. Now for our questions. Uh, we're going to ask uh, our good young man and the good young lady to just take turns and read the whole batch of those on sex. Thank you. Okay, the first one has two parts to it. How old should you be before you should date? And what if you think you are old enough to date but your parents don't? Thank you. Next. <laughs> should you date someone of a different religion? If not, why? Good question. 
This one person is trying to steal my boyfriend. What can I do about it? It's a good question. <laughs> now the one that's trying to steal that boyfriend, don't say anything right now. Next one. <clears throat> what can you do when your parents are hard on you, like going out with a guy and that guy goes to school or going to a party? Thank you. I hate my mom. What should I do? <laughs> How can you get your parents to let you date? What can you do on a date? And what does the Bible say about dating? Thank you. <laughs> Is it wrong for someone to kiss someone of the opposite <clears throat> sex of on the first date? That's a good question, isn't it? <laughs> Next one. Can someone fall in love the first time they meet someone else? Can, a can anyone fall in love the first time they meet someone? Okay. Are you ever too young to fall in love? How are you sure you're in love? And there's a little bit on this. I'm going steady and I care for the person, but not sure just how much. People say that the person I'm with loves me. Sometimes I feel that they are the only one I want, but other times I feel I need someone else. What should I do? Should two kids of the opposite sex be allowed to have a strong relationship? Why is it so bad to make relationship with the opposite sex if you love the person and you're not married? Is it wrong to hold hands with your boyfriend or girlfriend in school? How can you prove to your parents that you won't do anything wrong on a date? What is your stand on premarital sex? Is premarital sex worse than smoking a pack a day? Is drinking really bad? How do you feel about unwed mothers who love Jesus and want to start a new life? And what does God think of this? Is it possible to be in love with two guys? I'm 14 years old, and I often like to take walks by myself or with a friend. My parents always make me take a walk with them and say I should be with the family more. It's not that I don't like them, but I just want to be with my friends. What should I do? What is the solution to peer pressure? As a teenager, what does the church as a family expect from us? Should we thank God where money is needed and the father, and the father withholds the monthly income and the mother uses once a month checks to cover monthly expenses. How can you get your parents to trust you and vice versa? All right, thank you so much. Uh, maybe I better just take one of these, shall I? And thank you. <clears throat> now you notice that that is a scad of questions. <laughs> and every one of them is sincere. We have looked over pages. We took these questions as they came in and Nancy Newharth typed them out, pages of questions. And if we were to take time on each question individually, we couldn't answer them all in two weeks. So we're going to sort of uh, give some, uh, some principles and ask the Holy Spirit to interpret these principles to each one who has raised these questions, you see. First of all, <clears throat> Let me give you the story of two lovely Christian young couples. And we're talking about sex. We're talking about dating. We're talking about holding hands. We're talking about kissing. We're talking about uh, 
premarital sex, we're talking about the whole gamut. Uh, how shall we be guided? How shall we know what to do? Daddies and mothers in some cases won't let us do what we want to do. And somebody handed me another question in this same line yesterday. Uh, Dad and mommy don't want me to date. And I, what shall I do? I'll share with you the story of these two couples. And both of these couples were young people from two wonderful Christian families. And these two young couples were wonderful Christians. One couple, the young man, was preparing for the ministry. Now, I want to make real clear that neither of these young couples, neither one were, were cussed. Neither one was worldly, so to speak. They loved the Lord. They'd given their hearts to him. They were planning to be in his ministry. <clears throat> but the one couple, meaning to do right, loving the Lord, eager to follow in his way, one couple were faced with the question of abortion. Now, what are they going to do? Just for a moment, let's forget all about religion, just for the moment. Now, here's a teenage girl. She meant well. The girl, the boy who got her pregnant was a wonderful Christian boy, a wonderful Christian young man. They had no idea that it would lead to what it did. But now she's pregnant. Forget religion for the moment. What's, what is a 17 or 18-year-old girl going to do when she finds she's pregnant? Uh, she has not arrived at the age where she can even support herself yet. That's not against her. It's just because she has not gotten that far. She can't even yet support herself. Can she support the child? No. What will she do with the child? I knew these two families. They're Christian friends of ours. What will they do? Well, she can either keep the baby. <laughs> well, if she keeps the baby, then her mother will really be the one who will have to keep the baby. She can abort. Or she can uh, arrange for some Christian family to take the baby. The agony through which that girl passed and the young man, I can't describe. Finally, they came to the conclusion that the only thing to do was for her to abort. And so she did. Now, here you have a young couple. They're not cussed. They love the Lord. But there's one thing that daddy and mother and their daddies and mothers didn't make clear to them, and that was the law of human magnetism. When I was a little boy, I came back from school one day, two of my brothers and my older brother had a magnet under the table. And he had a sheet of paper here and he had iron filings. And we hadn't heard much about the magnet. <laughs> 
And he said, now I want to show you, Lester and Glenn, I want to show you that I can just tell these filings where to go. And they'll go anywhere I tell them to go. <laughs> uh, we didn't know he had the magnet right underneath. He said, now, iron filings, you go over here. There they started. Now you go over here. They started. We said, what in the world is this? And finally it dawned over us, there's a law of magnetism. <laughs> and the nearer those iron filings got to the magnet, the more they lost their self-control. That's just a simple law. And we finally said, hey, you're just trying to bluff us. There's a magnet under there. The other young couple were equally wonderful Christians. They wanted to do right. They loved the Lord. But nobody had explained to them the law of human magnetism. That the closer you get physically, the more you are liable to lose self-control. And the girl in this case was pregnant. Now forget for a moment religion. What are people going to do? Well, shall I abort? Shall I keep the child? Shall I? What shall I do? And about that time, some religion came into the picture of one of the parents. And one of the parents said, you can't abort. That's murder. The parent of the other one said, that's the thing to do. Otherwise, you're bringing shame on me. <laughs> I say, shame on her. She ought, to have thought of the, she ought to have thought of her daughter's happiness instead of herself. There's so many people only thinking of what will people think of me. She said, you must abort. The mother of the other one said, huh, but you're killing, you're, you're killing. Can you imagine the agony through which that young couple passed? The story is this. There's a law of human magnetism. And the more we can keep from this bodily contact, the happier we're going to be. A fellowship between male and female can be one of the most beautiful things in all of God's creation. Just so long as they understand the law of human magnetism, you see. There's another feature, too, and that is uh, the law of Philippians 3. 13. This one thing I do. <laughs> it's awfully hard to love a lot and study a lot and learn a lot. A lot of people can do that. Others can't. I fell in love as a student. <laughs> in fact, I've had quite an experience. I was engaged three times before I was married. <laughs> But I fell in love as a student when I was in the uh, third grade. <laughs> I looked across the schoolroom and there I saw a beautiful red-headed girl. Her name was May. I liked that name. I thought, may I kiss her? <laughs> <laughs> and I really liked May. <laughs> my, she was worth more than all the studies, really, at my age, because I was quite mature, you understand. But the Lord came to my rescue and my brother Lester took me away from me. Then I could learn my lessons. The next year I went to another school. May wasn't there, but Louisa was there. She didn't have red hair, but she had beautiful brown hair. 
beautiful brown eyes. <laughs> I was reared on a farm. <laughs> Father had a lot of cows. <laughs> and I want to tell you, Louisa's eyes were as pretty as any cow's eyes I'd ever seen. <laughs> they were beautiful. And I looked, and I looked at Louisa, and she flashed a smile at me, and I was taken in. I want to tell you, <laughs> I studied arithmetic. <laughs> I was in the fourth grade. I studied arithmetic. Two times two equals Louisa. <laughs> <laughs> I studied grammar. Sweetheart, Louisa. Louisa had everything. I studied geography, as they called it. <laughs> and I said, ah, the map of Louisa is worth more than any other map. And so I was looking at Louisa when I should be looking at my letter. Really, I was. And I didn't know it. There I was looking at Louisa. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and the teacher said, Glenn, is there something wrong with your eyes? I knew there must be another Glenn because I knew my eyes were working all right. <laughs> and then all the students looked at me. And I, I, I just wanted to go through the floor. About that time, my mother said something <laughs> that gave me hope. I had been writing <laughs> notes, barrels of notes. In those days, it's out of date now, but in those days, as you'd write a note, you'd put on the back, S-W-A-K. They don't do that anymore. People don't even know what it means now. I have to tell them. Isn't that right? S-W-A-K, sealed with a kiss. <laughs> you'd even kiss the note. <laughs> you see. And I wrote barrels of notes. My brother Lester wrote barrels of notes. One day I heard my mother say to dad, I don't know what we're going to do about Lester. But she said, Glenn would never write notes to the girls. That was the last note I wrote. Her faith in me. Now what are we trying to say is this. Those who go too far in their sex relation before marriage are taking a big chance not recognizing the law of human magnetism. They're also taking a big chance at their studies and preparation for life. <clears throat> and then, in addition to that, they're taking a risk at their marriage You'd be surprised how mar many married people, you see, we, a lot of people come to us over married problems, marriage problems. And they, pe people have come to me and they've said, because what I did before marriage, I've looked upon marriage relationship as nasty. Almost ruined. Not everybody, but many have actually almost ruined their marriage relationship. I've come to this conclusion that a male-female relationship is one of the most beautiful things in all God's creation as long as we recognize the law of human magnetism. Now the Holy Spirit will reveal to each one of us how that applies in our own lives, do you see? I thank the Lord for what my mother did. I went on through the academy without any dates. I went into college before I had any dates. Uh, I think I went too far in the opposite direction. 
I think I should have had some dates. I think it would have been better for me to have had some. But I went to that extreme. We don't have to go to that extreme. Now, the Holy Spirit will say to you, you see, each one of you, he'll say to you how he wants you to interpret this for yourself. And that's why you say, Lord, you've promised me wisdom. You've said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. Let me add this also concerning the sex problem. I have found in my ministry, and very few people may know this, I have found that appetite and sex usually have a very close relationship. I have found that as a rule, and it's not always true, but as a rule, the individual who learns how to eat carefully finds it much easier to control his sex urges. Jesus started on the point of appetite. Now, not merely that, <laughs> Jesus was a young man, <laughs> and Jesus never once sinned. And yet we read in the Bible, in all of their affliction, he was afflicted. I think if there's any area of life in which God especially understands us and loves us and wants to help us, it's in the area of appetite and sex. So, as the Lord helps us to learn to abstain from food that is naturally stimulating, it'll help. It's not the full answer by any means. The promises of God are to be used. When these tremendous urges come, and anybody that says they're not urges, they've, they're either a fool or they're lying. Appetite urges and sex urges are tremendous, and particularly so with youth. And Jesus understands. Now, you might be interested to know that there are three chapters in the book Desire of Ages that have meant very, very much to me. One is entitled Days of Conflict. The other has to do with Christ on the Mount of Temptation. I see our time is up, dear Lord. May the Holy Spirit use what I've said in faltering in a faltering way to every one of these blessed young people and their teachers that we may know how you want us to relate to you, Lord, to appetite, to the opposite sex, so we can have an abundant, happy, joyful experience in Christ. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.